electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the joint session will come to order. Breaking down Biden's first address to Congress. Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. The President's agenda for all of America, from the middle class to Wall Street. Holster and strategist Frank Luntz joins us. This is the most class-oriented speech that I've heard in a long time, and is very much in this speech that indicates that the era of big government is back. What the president said and didn't say, and what it signals for the country's future. It's not the tax increases that the public hates. It's the waste, the fraud, the abuse, and in some cases, the corruption that comes when you spend this much money with this little accountability, transparency, and oversight. And those are the three words I did not hear much of last night. That conversation plus the grand reopenings, a city back to almost normal. And anchors away, the cruise returns. It's Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. One who what? talk a little bit about uh, President Biden speaking last night to a joint session of Congress with limited attendance due to the pandemic. He argued his case for a $2 trillion infrastructure plan, a $1.8 trillion plan for families, children, and students paid for by higher taxes on the wealthy. I'm not looking to punish anybody, but I will not add a tax burden, additional tax burden to the middle class in this country. They're already paying enough. I believe what I propose is fair, fiscally responsible, and it raises revenue to pay for the plans I propose and will create millions of jobs that will grow the economy and enhance our financial standing in the country. We're going to talk a lot more about that speech with pollster Frank Luntz, including the president's message to Wall Street. Uh, Joe, I know you're a drudge reader this morning, the headline uh, that he's got there, Bidenhood. As in Robin Hood. Yep. My, yes. my thoughts were elsewhere, but I didn't really want to. Last night. I didn't really want to say anything, uh, Andrew. I, you know, I, I'm more of a Wall Street Journal reader, but I, I like the Journal's editorial about really it, it's kind of cradle to grave uh, entitlement states, not just for, for people in need, but really for the middle class. Almost. Whether it, it, it's an interesting piece. Read that. And, and I just the juxtaposition with venture funds. Bask in blockbuster profits. I was reading about, you know, what they, the VC firm Sutter Hill put into Snowflake and what they got out. And I was looking at Sequoia Capital and, and I was looking at these other things and I was thinking about all the big tech stocks and, and tech companies we've seen started up in Europe in recent years and all the successful Cricket. VC right. investments that we've seen over in Europe. Just wondering whether people ever think that through. But I, I, you know what? I'm be Cicero. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go into what, you know, cradle to grave entitlement states mean for, for entrepreneurial ships. And we know the free market is now dead. So that, that, that raised a few eyebrows. Look, I, I don't even know where I, 
Joe, I don't know yeah. where I land ultimately on this plan. I worry actually about the economy overheating to some extent, given all the money that the government's going to throw at it. The question yeah. I would ask you is whether there's a way to enhance the system and in the process of enhancing the system, making, making things a little bit better for some, in the, some, some of the lower and middle end, will that ultimately hurt the entrepreneurship that we're talking about? And I, my question is, is there a way to do both? That's what I'd like to see, if, if it's possible. Right. And yeah, by the, the way, economist I, I can, actually it, laid out a pretty good argument for that. that it's maybe for how maybe they would change it. Yeah, no, the, the Economist actually had a very thoughtful article yesterday that laid out ways that you could do that. They made the point that, sure, you can raise taxes, and there are ways to do that. Uh, pointed out that if you raise the, so the corporate tax, though, that might be the most painful to the economy and hurt the people that you're trying to help. Um, the corporate taxes, they pointed back to 2010, a review of the OECD, and just said that that was the one that was identified as being the most painful to economic growth over time. There are studies that, that say if this plan is followed, that you'll be looking at American economic growth of about 1% by the year 2050, that it will start to eat away at that. They did make proposals, though, that said there's ways to go after tax avoidance, and in a big way, if you wanted to do things like carried interest, right. which would be make a lot of sense because those are ways they're doing it, but also pass-through firms. What I didn't realize is pass-through firms made up about 50% of American corporate uh, revenue just by the year 2011 versus just a fifth of that um, back in, 20, in, in 1980. So the, right. the growth of those pass-through firms where you are really finding a way to say that this is right. dividends and capital gains and not income and not be taxed fully on that right. has really eroded that, what we've been right. doing. So the, maybe if there's ways to Becky, close loopholes making, like that, that would make sense. You're making one of the sense. most interesting points is the truth is that where the real tax evasion happens in America is actually not at the big, tax large, avoidance. publicly traded companies. Tax, I don't, wouldn't right. even call it tax avoidance. I would actually call it uh, tax evasion because part of it is... Well, look, maybe the, the IRS uh, would we, even we, look into the seen, rules differently. If we beef them up, maybe they would say I, I, that but, all of these pass-through corporations shouldn't exist. I think there'd be questions about some of the pass-through corporations, but I think the larger issue is that I think you'd see... You'd, I think you'd collect that $600 billion annually um, because I think that there is so much leakage as a result of that process, well, but the, um, for, for me, another the, topic the, for another day. Yeah, the, what I was sort of focusing on, we, whether it's because, you know, tech companies and, and tech investors have done so well during the pandemic, they've, there's this stigma now that, you know, the, the rich have gotten richer and, you know, that everybody else has been left behind. And you just look at what Amazon has done and, you know, it, it, the way that it gets bashed now and, it, it, and all these tech companies, the way that, that the left bashes them when, in fact, they should be celebrated for all the jobs that were created and all the shareholder wealth that's been created. And we have it here. That's not in the rest of the place. And it's something to, you know, that, that we need to embrace and something we need to try to help, not something that, that we need to try to push back against because they're, they're doing any, you know, President Biden keeps saying, I'm not trying to hurt any, but... Then he bashes Wall Street, says you didn't build that. Wall Street financed a lot of it. It's not perfect. And there's times that in, in recent years where, you know, the, the, it had to be socialized. But that doesn't mean you throw out the system when, when it runs into the, to some problems. It, maybe you don't socialize it. Maybe you let things uh, fail at times. In President Biden's address to Congress last evening, he also had a message to Wall Street. The American Jobs Plan is a blue-collar blueprint to build America. That's what it is. And it recognizes something I've always said in this chamber and the other. Good guys and women on Wall Street, but Wall Street didn't build this country. 
The middle class built the country and unions built the middle class. Joining us right now to discuss this and other key moments of Biden's speech, political strategist and pollster Frank Luntz. Frank, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, We just showed one of many clips, and I'd love to hear uh, your perspective, but more importantly, what you think the American public thinks about what they heard last evening. I was watching him with a group of 15 students from across the country, from USC, University of Southern California, and they're and they personalized it. They thought the language was okay, and they've been studying the words. And for the first time on Squawk Box, I want to focus on the policies rather than the words, because the language was pedestrian. It was okay. wasn't great. wasn't horrible. Nothing that he said was particularly memorable. But he emphasized again and again jobs. That's the word that we heard again. Jobs. Jobs. 60% of Americans would rather have a career, only 35% would rather have a job. So that tells you where it's targeted. He also talked about blue collar, which is one aspect of the middle class. This is the most class oriented speech that I've heard in a long time. It does harken back to Barack Obama uh, 10 years ago. And there's very much in this speech that indicates that the era of big government is back. And even though we discuss how he articulates it. If you started to tally up the amount of money that's being spent, it is significant. And in the end, the public hates more than anything else, not the tax increases. I want to be very clear about this. It's not the tax increases that the public hates. It's the waste, the fraud, the abuse, and in some cases, the corruption that comes when you spend this much money with this little accountability, transparency, and oversight. And those are the three words that I did not hear much of last night. Accountability, transparency, and oversight. I think that should have Wall Street a little bit nervous this morning. What was the perception of the line that we even just showed before uh, around Wall Street? Wall Street didn't build it. Uh, Does that play well, do you think, broadly speaking? Yes, it does. Because the public is hostile to Wall Street. The public is hostile to the top 1%. They've been taught over the last 20 years, the top 1% didn't get it in a legitimate way. They've been taught that the economy is rigged and that the people at the top have an advantage. And so Wall Street looks at this. And by the way, anytime you explain it as Wall Street, that in itself, that phrase turns off tens of millions of Americans that are much more supportive of Main Street. And right now, in April of 2021, the public has probably never been in my lifetime as pro-small business as they are right now, but as anti-Wall Street as they are right now. Okay, I want to show you another bite right now. President Biden saying that he wouldn't increase deficits to pay for the largest jobs plan since World War II. Here's what he said about his proposal to hike taxes on corporations and the wealthiest Americans. It's time for corporate America. And the wealthiest 1% of Americans have just begun to pay their fair share. Sometimes I have arguments with my friends in the Democratic Party. I think you should be able to become a billionaire and a millionaire, but pay your fair share. We're going to reform corporate taxes so they pay their fair share and help pay for the public investments their businesses will benefit from as well. And and I'm assuming based on the conversation we just had that that is a line that works. Yes, it does. But as as a communication analyst, pay your fair share absolutely works. As an American who spends a lot of time with the public from coast to coast, it's a line that scares the hell out of me. Every time you say to the American people they're not paying their fair share, you're creating hostility. You're creating resentment. 
from the middle class towards those above them. I mean, what is fair share? It's a great conversation. It's a great debate. And no one's ever defined it. If the top 1% in America pay 30-something percent in taxes, is that your fair share? What percentage should that top 1%, what percent should corporations pay? When you actually ask these the American people these questions, as we've been doing over the last month, six weeks, they would say that no American should pay more than one-third of their income, not a half, one-third of their income. That would be the midpoint in what is fair share. But we know that that the wealthy pay much more than that. Wait, so that Frank, is... That, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Frank, just listening to, to you, you talking about jobs, 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 it is all about jobs. Do you, do you have a feeling that prior to the pandemic that whatever was, was in place was generating a pretty good job environment. Overall, overall unemployment, minority unemployment. We were even starting to see organically the low-end wage earners get much bigger raises than they had gotten at any time in, in the, the, the past 10 years. Then the pandemic hit, and now there's a lot of people that are still out of work, so I understand that. And, and there's 10, you know, 10 million jobs still lost, so we do need to create jobs. But the overall structure that was in place, and I'm even talking about corporate taxation, was generating benefits, or something was. Maybe it's the, the technology, the new economy, whatever you want to say, it was working. Now, do we need to spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars pretending something's broken in, in the overall system? So let's be clear from the public's perspective. The vast majority of Democrats, a clear majority of independents, and even a plurality of Republicans support these spending measures until they hear what's in them. Generically and overall, the American people want this money put into the economy because they think they will benefit. And when you add the tax burden that will be applied to pay for this, the support drops considerably, but it is still a majority. When they find out what's actually in it, the details, the waste, the fraud, the abuse, and I use the word corruption deliberately because the lobbyists are having a field day in Washington, then you start to see opposition not only grow, but become more than a majority. And in fact, I think if you look, because our job is to look into the future, if the Republicans win control of the House, which is a distinct possibility 18 months from now, if they win control of the House, they will look at tonight as the reason why. If you're going to spend this much money without the words accountability, responsibility, oversight, transparency, without those aspects, then you're going to have a lot of waste and fraud and corruption. That will give the Republicans a majority. This is a very important speech. Even if the language wasn't great, policies are very clear, and we're going to be spending a hell of a lot of money in the months and years to follow. Okay. Frank Luntz, always great to get your perspective on all of it. Appreciate it. Next on Squawk Pod, the rest of the stories that got us talking and squawking, New York's big summer ahead, and a cruise update. Mission Impossible 7 is filming. It is filming. And he apparently is still doing his own stunts. Not that kind. Can I sit in the passenger seat of the Porsche? I do love my car. Or that. Squawk Pod will be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Pod right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Breaking news out of the uh, Big Apple this morning. New York City has uh, plans now to fully reopen. Yes, fully reopen on July uh, 1st. You know what's after that, July 4th. No restrictions on any businesses. That's a word from Mayor Bill de Blasio this morning. Speaking on MSNBC, de Blasio said people need to remain smart about public health. What we can say with assurance now is we're, we're giving COVID no room to run anymore in New York City. You know, we said uh, a month or so ago it was the variants versus the vaccination. What was going to win? Which one was going to win the race? Vaccination is winning this race going away. Look at Times Square this morning. It's, it's definitely on the rebound compared to what we used to show you for the last year. I got back here uh, on April 20th, so it's, uh, it's been almost a year, and it was empty, and it's not anymore. It's not anymore, and in, in fact, uh, I don't know whether you guys know it, but uh, I've got a, a cadre of, of New York's finest that, uh, that I have stationed right here uh, for me, and, and actually they... There. Hi, guys. Uh, no one uh, is going to mess around. We are on the men. We're on the rebound. And it's, it's all good. And I love those guys uh, and, and what they do, keeping us all safe down here. Obviously, uh, they weren't, you know, the pandemic was the big reason for the shutdown. But these guys have been here doing, doing an amazing job uh, for Times Square and all, all of New York City. You know what? I'm, I've been avoiding a cruise update. Now, I know what you want. You think I'm going to talk about because Mission Impossible 7 <laughs> is filming. It is filming. Uh, and he apparently is still doing his own stunts. Uh, and he saved a cameraman on a moving train. The climax scene of the Mission Impossible 7 is in England on a moving train. And his cameraman was going to fall off it. And Tom himself saved him and saved his equipment. And but this is not what this is about. And we aren't going to be able to see that till May of uh, 2020. I don't even think it's a universal picture. So I wasn't doing it for any reason other than I, I, I do love uh, Tom Cruise. But this is about, I digress, this is about cruise operators. You knew that. The CDC said cruise operators could restart uh, sailings. It's not really sailings. I think it's kind of cruisings, isn't it? The cruise ships sail? I guess they do. Uh, Andrews do, right? Those kind you take, Andrew, with the big, uh, you know, they got all the flowing, uh, you know, sails and, you know, the... The crew is like 70 crew members, 30 passengers, right? Isn't that usually about the on notes? I've, I've, never, I've never been on one, Joe. <laughs> anyway, not, okay. But those I've are the nice ones. One. Those are the but nice I ones, aren't I, they? I hope that I can, can I, can I sit in the passenger seat of, your, of, of the Porsche? Is that okay? <laughs> oh, I wasn't saying you're an elitist, really. I, I do love my car. And it's, uh, you know, you do, you do need to... Uh, to use gas in it. That's the only shortcoming. Um, that's the only shortcoming. Still hydrocarbons. Anyway, sailings out of the U.S. Uh, by mid-July. That's when it's going to start. In a letter to cruise industry leaders obtained by USA Today, uh, the CDC also said cruise ships can proceed uh, to passenger sailings without test cruises. If they attest that uh, 98% of the crew members, 95% of passengers are fully vaccinated, uh, quarantine and testing requirements will also be relaxed. Fully vaccinated pas- passengers can take a rapid test instead of a PCR test. God, is this really our world from here on out? Uh, they'll be able to quarantine at home if they're within driving distance of the port. 
Very complicated. I guess you got to do all that to, to make it safe enough to, uh, to go back in the water, uh, as they say. There's uh, the gains we're yeah. seeing on some of the big uh, cruise companies. Can we go back to talk about Mission Impossible? No, I guess not. Well, may, maybe some other time. Uh, we, we can. No. There's been seven no, of them. Not right now. What's his name? Either one of you guys know his name in, uh, in, in the movies? That, that was a question oh, the uh, other day. My, I saw. Uh, uh, not Miles. What's his It's um. Ethan shoot, I've Hunt. seen like five of them. Ethan Hunt. Ethan, thank you. <laughs> That's a really good question, though. I don't know why that baffled me at that moment, because I've seen all those movies about six times each. They're pretty good. They are good, especially when they rip their faces off. I laughed. I cried. Uh, four stars. Two <laughs> thumbs up. What, what else can we say? What, uh, that sums it up, doesn't it? Tomorrow, even more. Lee Cooperman, right? That should be. We'll get his response. Okay. All right. There's a good reason to be here. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod on your platform of choice. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please take a minute. You can do it right on your phone to give us a rating or write a review. We see them. We love them. Your engagement helps other listeners find Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.